everybody, my name is Dragus999. We are back with part two of episode one of Paladins and Pauldrons. I am once again joined by my wonderful co-hosts, Lydia. Hello, everyone. And Redwood. How do? So, uh, where we left off last uh, episode was around the, the seas and using uh, different languages to explain how certain languages in D&D might sound in equation to their real-world equivalents and how they might come out when spoken and how you might perceive them as both a DM and a player. Uh, so we last left off with, I believe it was Celestial, if I if I was correct. No, Sylvan. I think it was Sylvan. Celestial or, or oh. Sylvan? One of the two. Because we did Sylvan because we did Sylvan with Aqua. But you were saying Lydia? No, I believe Celestial is correct. Uh, we We got to a certain point and then we got to a language of certain of monks that we didn't quite right, have the, the creation uh, on. The Bowman. Yeah. I still don't understand them, and I, I did a little bit of reading on them, but it's... They're almost human, but they're not human, if that makes any sense. Hmm. Ah, uh, one of those. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think we'll kick it off with the next uh, part. Uh, the wonderful, wonderful language in Pathfinder known as Cyclops, which is spoken by Cyclops and Cyclops Kin. Greek. Definitely. I, I was about to say, if there's anything besides Greek, I don't think you know what Cyclops are. Um, wh what are your yeah. thoughts on that, Lydia? No, Greek fits quite well. I think Greek is probably the, the only true language that could even be aspired to be part for Cyclops. Uh, alright, uh, that was probably one of the fastest, uh, things we've ever had. <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, alright, so we, uh, we've got Dark Folk, speaking, spoken by Dark Creepers, Dark Slayers, and Dark Stalkers. Uh, which I, I personally have not met in any game so far I've been a part of. I haven't had any experience with them either. So, Red, you might be the only only one who might have uh, the most experience. I think they might be from the, the, the Shadowlands, but I have no earthly idea. Alright, uh, so, wow, that's another one we have uh, that none of us know about. Uh, judging by the sound of it, if they are creatures uh, of the Shadowlands, then maybe they fall along the lines of... More so the uh, what, the Aklo tongue, a uh, very dark tongue. More so. Hmm. I'd say it'd be closer to Necrol than Aklo. Ah, the Shadowlands are the plane of negative energy. Mm, that that's is... probably very much like Necrol then. Yes, and for those of well, us I've who always... don't understand what Necrol is, Necrol is the language of the undead. Which I think we actually might want to explain first and how that sounds. The way I've always envisioned I... it, it's 
the rasping of damaged vocal cords, the rattling of bones, the moaning and wailing of spirits. The burbling of corpse gas escaping mm-hmm. a body. Yes, it's I I would agree with the that. rattling part. It's I would say it's a very raspy voice. Almost. Since yeah. parts parts of it would be lost due to things missing or or, or people not having the appropriate uh, ways to explain. So, yeah, that's uh, it's pretty. Necro is not a pretty language. No, it's the language of death and no, undead. It, it yeah, it's while most players don't take it, actually, is a wonderful language to use, and especially if you're a necromancer. Hey, 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 not all necromancers are evil. No, but being able to shout at your undead and tell them to do something in the language they understand. You know he called you guys stupid. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. I warned you that session. They aren't smart. Yeah, that was... That that was something... You were dumb enough to think that holy water was a drink. I mean, it is a drink. It's water. Oh, wait. Not to undead, it's death. Um, I, I mean, I'm not kidding. I rolled their intelligence against that. I saw that. Uh, so I think Dark Folk and Necro might be very similar. So I think... I think very be similar or even the same language. It might be. or It might be even a, a regional dialect that changes certain words. Like how in America we have uh, y'all and things like that. Yeah. So that that might be how that takes place. Uh, so then... And we um, lost Red. Did we? Oh. Yep. Yeah, well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be uh, recording without Red. It wouldn't be podcast without uh, well, technical difficulties. Well, I mean, even in D and D, it's it's always a a wonderful time when we lose people. But uh, dark folk that that is something I will have to look at because that that's maybe they have something interesting with them, which would flip entirely of what we thought on its head. Which dark, you know what? Dark Creeper. Let me let me look at one of these things. Oh, yeah. Uh, they kind of look almost undead. Okay, yeah. No, <laughs> I think we've got that uh, pr- pretty down pat. Hold on. I, I would like to I would like to to make a point here that uh, Arclo and Necro and uh. Uh, dark folk would probably be about as similar as, say, Spanish, French, and Italian. Yeah. 
mix a few accents, change uh, a gendering of a word here and there. Yeah, I, I can see it. Yeah. Different enough that they're different languages, but it's obvious that they all come from the same core language. Oh, I mean, that that is most uh, Latin-based languages, so yeah, I, I can see it. It'd be interesting, yeah. All right. And, and well, yeah. Hmm. Actually, it, it would almost probably be like French and Spanish. Uh, Spanish from Mexico, not Spanish from Spain. Because though, though there are two very distinct differences between Spaniard Spanish and uh, Mexican Spanish. Yeah, they're well on their way to being completely different languages in another hundred years. Exactly. Uh, so then that brings us to my favorite language. Uh, one of the secret languages that uh, not very many people know. And uh, in D&D it is known as Dark Elf Silent. Or, in Pathfinder, it is known by another name, by the name that the race originally is called, the Drow. Drow Psy Language. Now, yeah. Uh, honestly, Drow Sign Language is interesting. I, I think the closest thing we can relate it to would be ASL. Uh, for those of you who don't know what ASL is, ASL is American Sign Language. It is the standard in which a lot of people who are deaf or hard of hearing, HOH, use to communicate with a lot of people because sometimes you can't hear every word. And I know personally I have uh, had that happen a few times where my sister and I are at uh, one of her gymnastics competitions and we, we can't hear each other so we'll we'll sign a few things here and there and it turns into okay well do you need this okay let me go get it for you and i mean it, it is it is a wonderful tool in which we can use and i think i honestly think there any kind of sign language uh depending on where you're at in the world uh there's french sign language uh spanish sign language things like that could equate to the drow sign language Did I lose everyone for that one? I'm right. I'm right here. Okay. We're here. Okay. Sorry. I it's just I, I went on a rant and you guys weren't saying anything. I thought I lost you. No, we let you have your rant because it was actually good, worth listening to. Thank you. Now, that said, that said, I would like to say that I feel like there would be a sign language variant of most, if not all, major languages. That is true. I, I think uh, that can be uh, brought up to every DM on their own because sometimes some DMs don't like it and that uh, actually can be part of uh, one of our next episodes actually. Uh, inclusivity and accessibility in D&D and what it means to a player who is disabled or is playing a disabled character. Especially disabled people who are playing disabled characters. Exactly. But now, on to the next language. Which, uh, I believe that draws... Yes, that goes down to our next secret language, technically. Uh, it is one that only one class gets, and uh, it is Druidic, or the language of the Druids. Uh, Which, 
honestly, that language probably sounds really similar to a pigden of Sylvan and like maybe some Draconic and a bit of Aquan and and Terran. I'm I'm thinking it would be a mix of Sylvan, Aklo, and the the primordial languages, because <laughs> it is such a, a, a nature based language that it it would make sense that all the all the planar magics, maybe even a dash of of uh, celestial and infernal and abyssal, maybe here and there. But you, you were about to say something, Lydia. No, I was just agreeing. Uh, I mean, I don't have much on druidic because I've not really touched druids much. Yeah, I, I know that feeling. Playing a druid sometimes oh, oh, oh. is just... Ugh. I feel like the druidic would be a combo language of of of, uh, of Sylvan, maybe Aklo, and then the four elemental languages. And then, like, the language of plants, maybe. A little mm. bit as well. Uh, I believe Sylvan is the language of plants, as uh, we, we discussed last uh, episode. No, no, uh, uh, Sylvan is the language of intelligent plant creatures. There is also a language of plants huh. for unintelligent plant creatures. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, we've talked and about... That's a whole nother thing and doesn't actually touch normal language much. Uh, yes, that, that is a very hard one. Uh, to, in fact, I believe that even as a, a druid, if you teach this language to others... You you've instantly lost all of your mm -hmm. powers. Yes, that is the case. Which yeah, why no druid will ever teach it. Yeah, having a Sorry, party full of the druids. Price is, the the price is too high, and they will come for both of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I mean, if you take a level of druid, and your character is teaching someone how to be a druid, I mean, yeah, could that be the exception? Only that's the only excuse if you're training another druid, I think. Yeah, you have to actually be teaching someone to be a druid, and they have you I have to be fantastic. If they decide to quit before their training is over, like you, you have to either kill them or use magic to erase their memory of the language, mm. or you will get in trouble. Looks at them. I'm sorry. You are now, you are now tree food. You have to die. But why? I just don't want to be a druid. That's exactly why. I'm sorry. I'm, I don't know magic to erase your memory. Oh, crap. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I think I will take that level in druid. Really? No. Nope, sorry. You have to die then. Oh, alright. This is a fun one. Dizirak. Uh, the, the language of the insects by the same name. Oh. Very much clicking. Buzzing and clicking. I, I, it's the Buzzing, sound of clicking. Is... Maybe some hissing. Maybe, actually. That does sound. Some insects do hiss. Also, uh, like, the chirping and clicking sounds you can get from certain insects that make sounds by rubbing their legs on their body. Ooh, some of those as well. Yes, I, I think that is a, a perfect thing. And I, I don't even think it's just spoken. I think it would be more body. Because, uh... Yeah, grasshoppers and or, well, no, it's crickets. They, they uh, as I understand the species, it is that they rub their 
on their carapace to make sounds, and they don't have a normal voice box. Ah. And they can only speak their natural language. Hmm. Yep. That's actually interesting. Hmm, I think I have a new concept for a new character. What do you mean we don't understand what spell he's casting? We don't know what spell he's casting. We, we understand the hand motions, but we don't know the words. <laughs> I might, that might be an insecting character concept now. Insectoid spellcaster. What 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 is this? Like the third character concept I've given you since the start of the stream? I mean that happens I'll, all I'll, the time. I'm gonna start charging you. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> I uh, I don't know how I feel about them. <laughs> uh, I might pass on that. I mean it's an interesting concept, but no. <laughs> no. Uh, all right. Uh, we have Noel as one of our, our next languages. Oh, very much hyena noises. <laughs> yeah. That's probably a smattering of some goblin, as they are a goblinoid. I, I would almost say that, that it is a mix between goblin and... The chittering hyena. <laughs> In fact, people look, people look at the knoll in the corner. What's up with him? Oh, that's just Ed. Yeah, exactly. It is Ed from The Lion King. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up, Ed! Yeah. Oh, God. Now I have to make a knoll named Ed. <laughs> you haven't? No! Man, you've been missing out. That's like the the funniest fucking old character. It's like almost playing pun pun, except oh better. Because you know, when when you say I want to play a cobalt cleric, no DM looks at you and goes, "Yeah, you, you can play that." No, you say I want to play a null fucking named Ed. They go, "Huh, that's weird." Okay. And then when you play Ed, they're like, "You son of a bitch." <laughs> oh man! Oh, it's it's hysterical. Actually, uh, by my math, we should be pretty close to goblin. Uh, mm -hmm. actually, yes. In fact, I was going to say since gnolls are related to goblinoids, that should bring us into goblin, actually, which is a, a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, and. Goblin actually has has two things. There there is goblin, and then there is the sublanguage hobgoblin, which yes. is, is a dialect almost. Yeah, I have to wonder no, though. Not not almost. Hobgoblin is a dialect of goblin, or perhaps it might be more accurate to say that goblin is a dialect of hobgoblin. Yeah, I just feel like the hobs were the ones who first came up with the idea of language. Probably. And since they tend to be in charge. Yeah, yeah, they do. They, they, they also be the, tend to be the ones who are smart enough to actually do something like invent a language. Yeah. Uh, where's it going? So, I do like to get rid of a lot of the, 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 the dumb goblin meme that pervade D&D and Pathfinder both. I mean, I don't view goblins as dumb. I view them as... No. 
maybe less intelligent of a race, They're but they are crafty. Not book smart. Exactly. The most book smart ones tend to be their alchemists. Uh, e even uh, a goblin wizard actually can be yeah. pretty fucking. Oh god, those things are evil, and I love them. I'm gonna play a goblin wizard. <laughs> that reminds Why? me, I need, I need to run the rocket tag. Ooh, rocket tag. Ooh, that'll be fun. Um. Oh, I know. Easter is. I know. I'll entertain the group on Saturday, I guess. Uh, so, honestly, I think Goblin would be very high-pitched in, in how it's they sound. Very, it's very pitchy-sounding language. Almost. almost uh, it, it's, it, it's like you're breathing helium and trying to have a gangster accent at the same time. Maybe. In fact, I, I'm, I've actually done a couple a couple things with Goblins. Um, I, I would even almost say... Oh, oh God. Yeah, it's a little though. It's a little more gravelly too. At the same time, I mean, you you try doing that without oh, prepping yeah. it. Oh God, yeah, no, you would kill your voice doing that most times. Exactly. That's why really, most most DMs try to avoid speaking goblin as that because <laughs> it, I mean, it kills you. At least they try to avoid speaking goblin with goblin. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, and in fact, uh, I, I know in 3.5, uh, which brings us right, right around to Goliath, which uh, we mentioned before is close to, uh, we mentioned that uh, they would speak giant. So this would be kind of like that, that subsection of uh, giant almost. Hey, which one? Uh, Goliath. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely a subset of giant. Maybe they talk like they're from uh, Minnesota, don't you know? And how, how they sound? I, I could see it. Minnesota, Canada. Yeah, they could, oh, they could be. Oh, Canada. Could even be, could even be Canada. Eh? That's an interesting thought there, don't you know? Yeah, that, that actually is pretty pretty interesting. Uh, that would give us to Gripley. Huh, that's a creature I have not... Oh, they're the they're the frogs. They're they're the other frog people. They're, they're the other frog people. Yeah. Oh, those guys. Oh man. I... Well, one of one of them kind of frog people. The other ones are kind of toad people. Yeah. So these these would be the frog people. The other ones would be toads. Oh wow. No, the other the other ones would be frogs. These ones would be toads. No, actually, uh, so I, I'm looking at the description for a gripley, and it says it, it is a slick-skinned, well, multi-pattern of bright colors. This agile frog-like humanoid. It's a frog, which is very so weird. So are also frogs. And then there's bullywogs. So there's three different types of frog people. Mm-hmm. Huh. No, I'm wrong. Yeah. So these would be more like tropical frogs, like a poison dart yeah. frog, I'm guessing. No, huh. I've seen a, I've seen them in use before, but I don't know much about them. Then they're I, little froggy things. The only frog-like person I have seen is a bullywog, and 
I fought him maybe five times in my in my entire 15 years of playing, and I never, never thought of any other creature besides. Uh, someone says uh, frog, uh, the frog people. You go bullywog. At least I did. Yeah. It's uh, the only reason I remember the grung is because a uh, certain monk I'm familiar with from another game went on a killing spree after he found they had taken the heart of a friend of his. I mean, wouldn't any character do that? You took the heart of my friend. I'm going to kill you now. Yeah, I mean, he was teetering pretty heavily towards evil, though, with how he was killing some of them. That's not as good. Yeah. I mean, there, there's playing an evil character, and then there's just being an asshole. Coming to that note, some episode we need to talk about the old class restrictions. Oh, that that is fun. The evolution of of uh, TTRPGs. Yes. Uh, yeah. But no, Grong, I imagine, is very similar to uh, I believe it was Bogart and Bullywug, which is just a ver different variant of, of Frog. Yeah, yeah. Because the Grung themselves are a lot like Poison Darkness. Yeah, it's, it's only, almost weird with mm -hmm. how certain things are almost seen. How you can equate a lot of monsters to, to real-world uh, examples. Which, I mean, exactly. they, were, they were taken from real-world examples. Uh, so that, that brings us to uh, the third of our elemental tongues ignin or the tongue of fire uh, yes that one i've always the equated to very of flame exactly yes. a campfire that. The, the sound of, of a campfire not, not, not just a campfire it is every kind of flame yes it is the roar of an inferno it is the whoosh of an igniting bonfire heat fueled on by an magma as well Yes, actually. Well, Hopefully the bubbling of magma is actually part of Terran. I would say it could be part of both. I'd say it's easily part it, of both. It, 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 it really... Both of them border on it. Terran tends to get closer because magma really is of the earth and not of fire. It yeah. is, but it is also liquid hot stone. So I think I think much like in in Latin-based languages, uh, there are certain words. Um, they have a shared few words in that area. Exactly. So maybe maybe the inflection in which you say it, or or the 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 uh, way it is pronounced, might be different. So it might mean the same um, thing, but it's pronounced differently. I would I would say Ignan would have the, the, the bubbling hiss of flaming gases escaping lava, but the actual bubbling, spewing sounds of lava erupting from the earth are of, of terror. I, I can yeah. see that. So I then, see that as the ordering. So then let's talk about Terran. Grinding how, stone. How do you describe that besides just grinding stone? stone. Grinding. The bubble Cracking. of lava. Yep. The sound of uh, sand. Oh, yes. And, and the sound of stone on stone is such a unique sound 
that literally, like, you, you want a description? Go grind two rocks together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now you want a better description? Go grind two other rocks together. He might just be asking you how the weather is. Don't oh. just attack him. Oh, man, isn't that, isn't, oh, man, that would be something I would love to discuss. You know, do you just directly attack the first creature you see for speaking a language you don't understand? Uh, the wise man's answer is, fuck no, dumbass. Ah, but, but how do you explain that to a player? Who has played nothing but hack and slashes and goes, No, it's an enemy, go attack it. Well, see, I would usually explain this with pointy things in a new character sheet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that is a way to explain it. It it, it kind of hurts sometimes, but uh we, we can talk about in another episode uh problem players oh. and how to fix them. Well, not necessarily even fix them, but recognize them and remove them as a problem. Well, the fix more than Whatever remove. Whatever that might entail. True. Re- re- making a, a problem player be removed can turn into it's fixing them. Yeah, you are right on that one. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, it, remo- it removes the problem, not necessarily the player. True. Oh. Right. Uh, now, now we get to a, a a favorite of mine, the the race of sigils, the Illumin. Another one I'm not familiar with. Okay, so the, uh, this is, uh, this is the language of the positive material point. It is. It, it is the the language of the group. Uh, they they are an incredible and interesting race that boosts magic through their 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 sigils uh, and their head signs and what they cast and how they cast and uh in fact most illumin uh become sorcerers or or any kind of caster it, it tends to either be a a cleric or a sorcerer and i believe their favorite class is sorcerer hmm you oh. think it'd be favorite soul but nah. no on uh, which is actually pretty funny uh, I believe in a later edition of uh, the Illumin reprinting, it might be Favorite Soul, but uh, the one I originally remember is just straight Sorcerer. I, I, I would I would think that both Sorcerer and Favorite Soul for these, because it seems like either way, either they are infused with powerful arcane magic or powerful divine magic. One is the Sorcerer, one's the Divine Soul. True. Honestly, it could go either way. <laughs> and, and in Pathfinder, Divine Soul is just an archetype of sorcerer. Where you get divine magic instead of arcane. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I believe there actually is a, a, a full class that can switch between uh, either being a, a divine caster or a arcane caster. and. I'll I'll have to go through it again because I know there's a class that you can choose. Okay, I'm either divine or arcane casting. You uh, the divine soul sorcerer uses div- uses the cleric with cleric sor the cleric uh, the the sorcerer wizard list or the cl- no uses the cleric oracle list as a sorcerer. Huh. Fascinating. The, uh, the Omdora has an arcane champion. 
or, or no, Arcane Exemplar, which is basically exactly the same as the standard Omdora, except that the spells are all swapped out for Arcane, and a few of the abilities are swapped out for stuff from the Magus. Huh. And their spell list is as per the Magus. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I, I will have to play that one day. You know, expand my repertoire. Of I, highly, I highly re recommend it. When I found it, I was really surprised because it does, even as the arcane exemplar, it still keeps its lay on hands like ability. Hmm. But its power is still arcane. Or actually, the way it describes it is that their arcane power is divinely sourced in that they received the arcane inspiration from their divine patron. So, possibly Nethus, if you're using pure Pathfinder deities. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, or whatever, the, or whatever the magic deity is in your system. Yeah. Yeah, that would be... For example, Mistra in D&D &D would be the one who would provide you the powers of an arcane exemplar. Actually, the arcane exemplar fits one D&D &D character surprisingly well. One that a lot of people know the name of. Elminster. Ooh. Except he's super blessed and gets full nine levels of casting, but still also gets, like, some interesting, like, healing magic and shit that goes with it, too. Yeah. That is that is interesting. I, I'd say he'd probably be a sorcerer or an exemplar. Very similar language to that book, but it's mostly canine body language. Well, it, it's the it's the wolf it's the wolf wolf folk language. Yeah, a another one of those languages where when they speak a language that isn't their native language, they have to say things like. Is it an inflection that sounds this way about this, or people don't recognize that they're speaking with emotion? Exactly. Yeah. That uh, it would have to be. I have the hunger. Or, I feel anger when this one speaks. So that, that might be how they actually explain to people. I feel anger at the false words this one speaks. Mm, that might even be better at how they speak. Uh, man, I don't even remember this language. Uh, Kutoa. That actually makes... Hmm. Now I have to remember what these are. I believe they're like capitals. K U O swapped for a second again. T O A. Kotoa. What are these ones? Those oh. are the god makers. No, those are the fish people. Yeah, they make gods due to their psychic abilities. Oh, oh, those, oh, yeah, those people. They're incredibly yeah. dangerous in large groups because of that. Because, oh, we make this so, one's god! Though I don't blame them because they the are... language is often described as... Yeah. After all, the Illithids did experiment on them. say that again, I missed that. Oh. Yeah, yeah, they were 
They're insane. You were experimented on by Taylor They're insane. But it also gave them really powerful psionic abilities when they're in groups. Yeah. Honestly, I, I think how they sound is like a murloc, almost. Yeah, I've, I've heard that, and I could I could equate that. Yeah. Almost very flemmy, like like there's something in their flats. Flemmy, lizardly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not lizard, but like flemmy, like they got lots of mucus in their freaking voice in in their throat. Almost, yeah. It's, it's not a reason to think that if they would have gills, those gills have to be lubricated. Yeah. You know, they are the ones who make gods out of inanimate objects. Yeah, I, I totally, I have not seen them in play forever, and I, I, I'm kind of glad. They're actually very dangerous. Yeah. I've heard stories of players becoming gods because of them. Oh, man. I wonder why. I mean, this, there was a player who outbluffed. Uh, if you can get a group of Toto to worship you, you will become a god. Yeah. Yeah. But generally, they create evil deities. I mean, I, I wonder why. I mean, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, you guys okay, are in for so a what, real good treat with this next. What, 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 what's after Ignan? We should move on to the next language. Oh, yeah. we are. Uh, Ignan would be Terran, which was the sound of that. Uh, we're, we're on Mind Flare. Oh, God. Uh, that's telepathic primarily, I believe. It, it is telepathic. It, it is technically psionic in nature, and it is mostly done written, and it, it has a minor psionic power in the written part in which you can read it. Yeah. Um, but there's no real audible component to it. Uh, no, no, I don't think there is. I believe most mind players will speak another language because of that. I don't actually think mind flayers can speak. And that's if, yeah. I, I think they they telepathically speak. Mm, yeah, they, that's they can. Uh, usually, by well, they can speak other languages. They do so through telekinetic vibration of a membrane in their body. Ah, yeah. The, there we go. They Ooh. do not have the capacity to speak as for normal animal. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then I, I don't even remember the last time I caught a, a, a mind flare. A, a, the last a, time I remember a, seeing one was when I attempted trying to catch up to the first critical role camp, and I knew immediately, nope, that that's the bad guy. Yeah. Uh, you don't trust mind flares. Anyone who oh, trusts look, Mind Flare? Mind Flare. You're either a noob or you are extremely dumb. Gonna get what they deserve. A it's lot of the first campaign. But I don't blame them for trusting. Oh, Mind Flare! You'll get what you deserve. A lobotomy. <laughs> yeah. Gee, thanks. <laughs> As the wizard <laughs> in a group, you never want to meet a Mind Flare. Why? Keep that fucker away from me. Why? He wants my brains. No, he doesn't. Yeah. I would like to speak to the one in the cloak. Yes, he does. Oh, shit. You're right. He does. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's get out of here, guys. 
So yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, ugh. Yeah, ugh. Yeah, ugh. Yeah, it does not have a sound. Uh, so then, uh, mongrel What if its only audible component is the clicking of a very, very horrifying... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, mongrel folk. Uh, another dog-like language, almost. Very, in, yeah. That's in, very instead of howls, it would be more like barks and yips. Uh, yeah. Which would honestly make it sometimes better of a language than uh, lupin. Uh, yeah. No, no. Uh, lupin, lupin is is is... Is is more of an educated language in all its parts. It it really isn't like they're they're very they would be very well spoken. It would just be hard to tell that they were emoting because again, a race that's not used to emoting verbally. Yeah. Which is such a strange concept for most humans, I understand. But it's actually more common than the the, the, the whole verb emote thing among all of the living species on the planet. Yeah, that would be that would be uh, interesting way to put it. Maybe even mongrel folk is like that too. It's it, it would be hard to understand, but I mean, no 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 humanoid is truly ever going to to be able to truly speak lupin, uh, mongrel folk, or cat folk, or or even any language that's primarily off. Well, no, because you can learn a new. You could learn to use the body language, but it you wouldn't be as learn effective. How to speak it properly with the right. But it would if you learned it properly. If it actually was something that you learned that became a part of you that you had absorbed as a part of everything that you understand to be you. So, so as a human. You're going to really be able to be do a tail wag. Learn that language. I would argue that it would be harder because, but not all lupins have tails, and even if they lose their tail, they can still emote because there are hip movements that can replace the tail movement. I guess because to a point a language, that is right. Yeah. Just because someone's lost an appendage doesn't mean they wouldn't be able to speak. There would still be ways to simulate the tail movements to do the right body language signals without having a tail. Dogs without tails still wag. Yeah, that that is very true. Uh, I I guess I'm thinking from from the non-disabled player spot going. Well, that wouldn't make sense, but yeah, that that does. Uh, I'm coming back from the disabled player's plot going, well, here's the reasons why that does make sense. Yeah. Sometimes it helps to have two two people on opposing sides go, here's exactly how it works. Yeah. No, it does. Yeah. Alright, so... so uh, and, and... Go ahead. Oh, did we, mm. oh, no, he's uh, still no, there. I'm stretching my ear. But um, hi. 
I guess mongrel folk might be a little less civil than Lupin, if that's if that's Maybe. the route we're going. Maybe not really. I I I think that the mongrel folk would just. I I don't even like the name mongrel folk. First of all, no one does. Yeah, let's just start me off right there. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's actually one reason why right. they, that... I, I don't think you could have come up with a more offensive name. Yeah, I think that's why they ended up getting discontinued with that, because no one wanted to keep that in for that one. Um, <clears throat> so, how do you guys feel about Raptorants? And the, 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 the uh, I guess the best way how you could explain them is... Um, in Wind Waker, the, um, the hell is their name? The Bird People. I can't. The Rito. Yes, the Rito. Uh, except less bird like. More, more human more. on top. Uh, winged arm. Kind of. Yeah. How, how do you guys feel they would speak? Since they would have humanoid uh, torso minus wings for arms. Uh, their native language would probably sound similar to like the talking sounds that eagles make when two mates. Maybe. I mean, that that is so it it's such an interesting sound that they make that it, it would be honestly I don't know how it would uh, come out uh, on normal terms for for most uh, humanoids. So, I mean, that that would make it such an interesting language to even learn because then, what do you mean he's screeching? Well, he, he he's saying how much he cares about you. No, he's yelling at me. No, no, he, he he's expressing expressing his emotions on on how he cares for you. Oh, you probably wouldn't think it was. Probably wouldn't even seem like yelling, in my honest opinion. Because it would be like conversational volume level. And you'd have to be a complete, well, I don't even know what to call them, but those players. Well, I mean, there's there's noobs and then there's Rick Ricks. And he, even a noob might go, yeah, that. Well, is he talking or is he like screeching? And and some some animals At screech. Point, my answer would be this: the volume level is at about a conversational tone. Well, that that might work to explain. Yes, for... it sounds like frills and screeching. But the volume isn't loud like he's yelling. Like it's the conversational tone, like he's trying to <clears throat> Yeah, that, that would be that would be an interesting uh, way. Because of I have always felt 
it's on me as a DM to make it clear to the players whether or not that is an enemy or not. Whether or not that's that's a potential ally or someone who just wants to swing a sword and take their head off. Ah, but when a player jumps the gun before you even had a chance to explain by by words when they yeah. go to say hello, how do you approach that? A problem. The player who just wants to smash stuff is one of those players. And yeah can be a serious issue in any campaign. That's going to have to go in the problem player segment is that, that particular is. thing. All right. Uh, that gets that gets us to uh, a wonderful thing. Ratlings. The language of not rat folks, per se, but they are technically rat folk. Hmm. They, they, are, they are a rat-like species, but rat folk are more like cat folk, that they're more actually more human than rat, but just have mm -hmm. a rat-like form. Exactly. Similar um, body language type language. Probably. I mean, it, it, it's very... Whereas ratlings are more rat... Whereas ratlings are... More rat than human. Yeah, oh, God. I remember the last ratling I played. At least my experience and understanding. Yeah, the the last ratling I played was a a, a, a pretty much a, a rat on two feet. Literally. Hmm. It, it was honestly uh, hysterical to play. <laughs> oh, man, that's a giant rat. We should send some adventurers to kill it. I am not... A rat. I adventure. I am person you call. A giant rat can talk. Not rat. Not rat. Yeah. Not rat. Oh god, the exasperation. Yeah. Maybe a little squeakier. Or no, no, mice would be squeakier. Rat, rats would yeah. be. So, not rat. Do not call me rat. I will bite you. Oh my God! It's a rat. Uh, All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and my apologies, we skipped over one of the, one of the only P's that is in any, any D&D game. Protean. Or, or the language of chaos. The language of chaos. Hey, I, I don't even know what that would sound like. <laughs> Everything. Whoa. Yeah. Protean would sound like everything. Yeah, no, Any I could sound you could imagine. One day something is every one sound day, you can't imagine. One yeah. day you ask someone what the bathroom is, you use the correct word which sounds like the doorbell. Next day you ask them, they send you to the kitchen. Yeah, that's in fact even I, I believe in protein it even states that it's always evolving. It is perpetually changing. The word for bathroom is not the same one day to the next. 
Maybe, in fact, it's even based upon emotion. Oh, God. Well, not, it wouldn't just be your emotions. It'd be every state of your being would alter exactly how, how and what you say in how you speak, what you say, the sounds you make when you are speaking Protean. Descriptive languages of all, and at the same time, be completely ununderstandable to someone whose mind cannot grasp the concept of chaos. Which would explain why beings of the plane of law can't learn Protean. Yeah. It's honestly quite interesting sometimes to see when you bring that up to a character and they go, No, we can't we can't learn that. Actually, actually on that, Mechan, the language of Mechanus, the plane of law. Oh, yeah, I didn't even see that on here. Excellent thing to, it, it's not on a lot of books, but it exists. There is a language of law to go opposite Protean. It's Mechan. Yep, the language Modrons would speak. Yes. Though that's not the actual language of law, there is actually a language of law as well. But I don't remember the name for it. Uh, I Me Mechan is the language of Mechanus, which is one of the planes of law. Yep. Also home to the Modrons, which are an incredibly bizarre race. Oh, there are some interesting races sense. after the planes. They make perfect sense if you understand their principle. Oh, they make sense, but they're also incredibly bizarre at the same time. Especially mm. if people would, like look at them and like, what? Everything is bizarre to someone else. That, that's why it, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yes. Uh, so, oh man. I, I will have to double check. because it, it should be here. And I don't remember which one it is. Ugh. Now I have to remember the the one of law. That that's gonna piss me off. Really piss me off. Cause it, it should be. It should honestly be explained so well. Um. So then that gets us into the the uh the, the shadowfell languages some some of my favorite things that not everyone uh speaks uh like shadow swift or the language pretty much of shadows oh god i haven't had a character I that doesn't think that would be spoken either i think that'd be mostly visual it might be uh, honestly it's it's a very Hard that'd be, an, that'd be another up. one that, that would that would be the uh, that would that would be another one of those Latin based languages. But for shadows, with re with, it, ref with with reference to dark folk and Aklo and ah uh, yeah yeah you you are right it would be a yeah, reference to that when that. it's spoken if it's spoken at all. I it would I think it would be spoken. Because there are shadow beasts, and they have their language. But I think this would be the Latin of that group. Maybe. That, that, you, you do bring an interesting point, since it would be like that, almost. 
It would it would be more clipped than the other languages. Probably spoken quickly as well. A quick whisper and and and, and whispers, hushed tones would be yes. very prominent in these languages. Very common. Oh, I, man, I almost forgot that Shadow Swift was a language that existed. I don't think any DM I have played with has used the Shadowlands or Shadowfell. And it honestly kind of hurts. It's, it's honestly somewhat disappointing. I mean, Those are excellent areas to take high-level players to have some real fun whilst giving them a real chance of something fucked up happening that might also be the next cool arc of their character because, oh my god, you died on the plane of shadow. Now you're undead. Yeah. I think it's because a lot of DMs are worried Like, a lot of players worry about things like that because, like, going to the Fey Wild in 5e, you don't remember shit when you come back if you aren't part Fey. Yeah. Hold on, I would, I, would, hold on. I would extend that further. It's not just being part Fey, you have to have the Fey's blessing. Not only that, but it's also a matter of sanity when you go to Shadowfell. Oh yeah, sanity was a big thing in Shadowfell. And that was the first time um, it was brought up. More, well, more, than, more than just sanity, it's not just sanity, because the plane of chaos will cause madness. But what, what the Shadowfell does is it eats away at your emotion. In a way. You begin to lose the capacity to feel as the Shadowfell eats away at your, uh, at your feeling. At the Honestly. capacity to feel itself is eaten away as you dwell in the Shadowfell. Honestly, what I would call it very simply is this. The Shadowfell is what Call of Cthulhu feels like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, if I do this, what's going to happen? I, I, no, no. I, I wouldn't say Call of Cthulhu, because Call of Cthulhu is closer to Plane of Chaos madness. And and Shadowfell is a different kind of madness. Like, the Cthulhu madness, that's more that's more Protean madness. That's Chaos madness. Uh, the Shadowfell is more like Yogg-Sothoth. It's like Knowing things that, in the knowing of them, take away your ability to be human and feel human things. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll amend that slightly. It's not called Cthulhu Madness. It's called Cthulhu Madness. When you have a DM that's emotionally fucking with players. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Does those exist? <laughs> no, that, that's, it doesn't even have to be called Cthulhu for that. It's literally any system where the DM decides, I'm a horrible person, I'm going to emotionally crush my players. Exactly. Honestly, that's a big thing I want to talk about, is like, there are things that, if you're going to bring them into a game, you have to ask permission from your player. Exactly. And it's funny, there like, are lines you do not cross without warning. And they've got to be, you got to treat your players in a certain way too, otherwise they're going to break. Yeah. Right. I, I have literally left games because a GM left me feeling like I, I, I was, I was ba being buried in sand and trying to stay above. And no matter what I did, my character would just always have more sand pour in as they tried to keep their mouth clear. Yeah. 
And it is the worst feeling in the world in a game to feel like I'm being buried in sand and there's nothing I can do about it. No, it and is that the might worst. not even be what's actually happening, but the way that the, the, the session, the way that the interactions are being described, give that feeling to me. Mm-hmm. Even if that's not what the GM is intentionally going for, it's all too common for the GM to not realize that they're becoming adversarial and and then they've gone too far in the corner of beefing up their, their villains they've been working on for story reasons. I'm guilty of doing that myself. Honestly. I mean, I'll try not to take offense to that myself either. With the experiences I've had with bad DMs, I tend to be a little too... I, I try to be not gentle on my players a little too much, I think. I mean, you can only be oh so gentle before it, you're almost babying them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can't you can't baby players all the time. The truth, I realized last session encounter in the warehouse, I could have killed you. Could have? You almost fucking did. If we're gonna we, be honest, you almost fucking killed really us. Fireball stick around. Yeah. Had had you rolled average on all of the dice? And, and uh, I rolled I'm, average I'm, on all the dice for that, pretty much. Average off of five. Well, average would have been less. Yeah. Had you rolled average and done that like two times, maybe three, you definitely would well, have killed. There would have, there would have been no party. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, you would have taken the most damage. Literally, at that moment at those doors, I seriously, the thought went through my head, Garvan might flee. Yeah, it, I, I, I even was at that point of, oh man, it, it, do I but it run? Was perfect. But it was perfect, because we saw a threat, but then the villain decided to scarper off instead of throw another fireball, and we managed to get out of there with our lives by tricking the undead into drinking our holy water. Yeah, I mean... I mean, hey... The most badass thing I have ever pulled off in a session, bar none. I talked to an intelligent, if you can't hear the air quotes, I'll point them out here and here. Yeah. (laughs) Some intelligent undead into drinking holy water, because... Yeah, guys, guys, let's stop fighting. It seems like you're thirsty. Here, have a drink. It's quite refreshing. I'll, you know what? Since they're dead, I will tell you this. They have an intelligence of six. Oh, yeah. well, that explains everything. Oh, that, I was trying and so they, hard they, not they to say anything. Because a, a little bit of the language center of their brain was damaged. Yep. And I was trying not to say anything that entire session. But uh, yeah. we're, we're getting off track. Yes. So, so uh, another language sort of in that, that area of, of the shadow fell and, and, you know, plainer languages. And death and undead almost. Spirit folk. The language of literal spirits. I would argue that this would be like a blended language of the four elemental languages and positive and negative energy languages. Depending on the alignment for those two. Yeah, yeah. I, I could say not, that. Not, not, even, not even depending on the alignment. The language would have all six. 
certain dialects would be based on alignments and be closer to one or more of these than the other one. It could even be about personal, um, you know, usage. Some You might avoid using certain words, so you say a, a longer, drawn-out sentence to avoid such things. Exactly. Because that particular word happens to have a touch of the shadow on it, and you're more of a light spirit. Yeah. Or vice versa. It all depends on the the uh, the person. Right, but it leaves open so that people can can make variations for their individual characters and NPCs. Mm -hmm. Everything we're hoping for in a good GM assistance information. Even in a good player, it's openness right. in how you want to do it. Well, I would I would say anything you do to help a player is also helping the GM. Yeah, yeah, you are right on that one. So uh, that brings us to uh, a very interesting uh, language, and uh, the the only correct answer for this one is uh, either Egyptian or Arabic. Uh, Sphinx or the language of the Sphinx. Egyptian, absolutely Egyptian. Just straight Egyptian, real-world Egyptian, because I mean, there's no other language for it. Uh, what about Greek? Because Greeks also had Sphinx. Yeah, but that was a borrowed thing that they borrowed from the Egyptians. Like, even the way they describe the Sphinxes and where they come from is Egyptian in nature, even in the Greek. Yeah, that is, that is true, but, you know, devil's advocate, you, you always got to bring that point up. Hey, no, it's okay. You can be the devil's advocate. The problem is, is I'm the guy who comes with the reams of information on why exactly that's a nonsense argument. Yeah, it's not nonsense if it makes sense. So, Sphinx is definitely Egyptian by nature. No questions yeah. asked. Uh, all right. And we've talked about Terran. Uh, Tengu! Oh, God. I, I don't we even covered wanna... Tengu. Yeah, I mean, we did, but it, it was yeah. it, it was kind of also we covered it thoroughly. Yeah, because it's like crow and raven noises, and like if they... when they speak other languages, it's unaccented. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Or or usually the local accent. Would be more accurate. Yeah, I, I would say local would, would probably be better. Unaccented. To a southern person, if you speak in a southern accent, you don't have any accent at all. Now, I say here now, good sir, I take mighty fine offense to that. <clears throat> oh, God. <clears throat> hey, you guys wrote your own devil. I know, me. right? So, after Tengu, what's next? Uh, Treant. Should we get Treant. Yes. The crack and snap. The snap and crackle of branches. The rustling of leaves. The crickle and crackle of roofs. Roots breaking through stone and dirt. The sounds of the forest. Yes. 
the the wonderful the wonderful sounds of the forest literally two ints could be you could be sitting underneath two ints having a conversation and you would not be able to tell they were speaking yeah unless you spoke entish in which case you'd be listening for a second and then realize wait these two are talking wait you two are awake <laughs> exactly. At which point you would be part of the conversation and absolutely probably welcome. If oh, you know the language. Exactly. I, I think most Ents would literally go, Oh, you speak the language? You know what? You are welcome, friend. Please join us in a conversation. We have not had conversation with someone who was not an Ent in many, many, many years. Or decades. Depending or centuries on. even, depending depending yeah. on how old they are. No, I, I feel right. like yeah. No, I feel like just even on the culture note, there, it's like they just be very polite and happy to have someone to talk. Oh yeah, I I would even yeah. see Entish as a a, a very polite yeah. language because right. you well, live for so they long. Speak other languages, they speak them as politely as they are able. Yeah, I mean, I mean you live to be three. Four, six, ten, fucking a hundred centuries old, millennia, or millennia old. Even even then, it depends on the, the um, kind of campaign that's going on. Heavy. By that just, point, you, you have manners. If you don't, I mean, you're either a sapling or not. I mean, I would even say elves as, as and I hate to use the stereotype, but they're always portrayed as that snooty asshole. I mean, they I, live I for hundreds agree. of years. They, they have, should be the they most have polite. All the time in the world, they 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 would use all of the pleasantries because, okay, it might take a little longer, but I've got all the time I need. These exactly. humans are the short-lived ones. Even oh, dwarves. they like they like to, and the elves would also understand the, the humans' preference for haste. So they would be very unlikely to take offense when the humans ask to shorten an especially long thing that usually goes before a meeting because, oh, well, the human wants us to not waste time because they have so little of it. Exactly. We can do that. And I mean... <laughs> we, 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 can, we can spare our feelings for this limited time being's time. And because even they have then, so little of it, it must be so much more valuable to them. Exactly. Elves... Elves and dwarves, as much as they are enemies, will look at each other and go, look, we have a human in the party, we must shorten our words. You might have a, di a large disdain for me, as I have a large disdain for you, but Actually, we must put it aside. That's another thing that I like to get rid of in, in, my, can in my canons. I don't yeah. see elves and dwarves as oppositional to each other. No, I only I see, see elves and dwarves. I see the biggest fight elves and dwarves generally have it's arguments about how the dwarves will need more wood. But then yeah. the elves will just, like, let's just figure out a solution, and the two of them will, like, the dwarves will just delay their freaking pro their major project for a century to let the forest regrow before taking more wood, because, well, the elves know the forest, and if the elves say that the forest needs time for the wood to regrow before we harvest some more, or it's going to damage the forest, well, we need that wood really badly, so it behooves us to let that forest have time to heal. I mean, yeah. it, it's almost as we, if we you're can, moving we quick can, we can for a century or two. It, we could spare a century or two for some trees to grow. Which is That's why I say dwarves move and act as slow as stone. Not in the sense that they're they're stupid, but more in the sense that 
they don't make rash decisions, where humans do. Right. Elves have centuries never, never. of knowledge. They use that to their effect, which is why they take time, which is why they say and choose words at a very um, interesting actually, pace. Actually, one thing I've thought about adding to dwarves and elves is, uh, actually, there's a trait for it, where you add a plus two anytime the character takes 10 or 20 on a skill check. Ooh, that would be interesting. Because literally, they do so much better when they just sit there and take their time because they've got all the time in the world. Yeah, that, that is true. So so I, I guess Treants would also tie in with Elvish in a hmm. sense. That it's a little bit. Slow. And Sylvan. M maybe, yeah. And even, Sylvan. I would even say that th well, they have parts with Terra. the language of the Fae, and again, the Fae are another long-life species. Exactly. Actually, we didn't discuss Fae. Uh, we... There actually is a separate fairy folk language, if I, if I remember right. Uh, that... I don't remember that. I remember we I, talked uh, Anklo and Sylvan, which are the two big... Well, that, that might have been from a homebrew. It might be. be a much older edition thing. It could be. There, that also might changed. be an older edition thing because I am from all the way back to first, second and first edition. Exactly, which is why I don't blame you. There, there's still things I question and go, wait, was that a second ed thing or no, no, yeah, that was. I still, I still classify elves as a a, a fucking class. <laughs> Some days it's like, yeah, I'm playing an elf. An elf what? I'm playing an elf. An elf <laughs> what? What? Yeah. What do you mean an elf what? I'm playing a fu oh. Elf fighter. I'm elf fighter. Playing an elven fighter or an elven wizard. Yeah. Oops. My bad. What do you mean you're bad? You almost cursed me out. I forgot, okay? New edition. Look, look, look. This is like the fifth or sixth version of DD I have learned to play. You will have to have patience with me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sometimes it's, it's so. Oh, sometimes you just want to stab people. It's like. Dude, I've been playing longer than you've been alive. Forgive but me. That, that kills people. No, 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 no. no. Anyway. Uh, you're going to kill me, John. Alright. Here's the fun language. The language that every... Every DM will argue about. Because it's such a, a, a weird language to talk about. Uh -huh. Undercommon. Oh my god. Actually, this brings it to something really big that I wanted to bring up. Oh? Drow. Yes, drow is a... a we could probably have a segment all on Drow and how, how they play out because but it's so Specifically, I want to speak of the fact that there is that Undercommon is not the language of the Drow. It is it the is language not. of the Undercommon. The Drow have their own Drow language as well as their own Drow sign language. Exactly. But no, everyone seems and to think that Undercommon is the language of the Drow. No, because it is spoken it is by not, Drow, Druger, Deep Gnomes, if I remember correctly. 
um, and like several what? other races. Like, if you picture the Underdark, anything that's in there speaks Undercommon. Right, and that's not the language of the Drow. Yeah. They yeah. speak Dark Elven, which is its own language that is kind of like a hybrid of Shadow, but the Shadowfell language and Elven. And is a very brutish and bastardized language. Exactly. I, I, I really hate to do this, but um, the, the best example I could give for how I, I believe Undercommon or Drow Elvish might sound would be German, uh, Nazi Germanic. Almost. Specifically Nazi, like fire-breathing asshole at a podium telling you that you need to kill people Nazi Germanic. Because and, there's a difference yeah. between Germanic and Nazi Germanic. Yeah. And when it comes to the draw, unfortunately they've been written that way. Yes, I mean, they, well... They're all, actually, that, that brings up another thing that I want to do in a, a segment on, and that is ways to remove racist coding from your campaign. Your world, exactly, because the, the way the draw originally actually were written, I hate to I hate to use this term, but it is exactly how it was explained that they were written. They were written to be the black Jew. Oh my god. And it, oh, it is the most disgusting thing. And to this day, yes, I, I will say that Drow are hated as as characters because of how they're portrayed. But e even still, go, going as far as to do that to people, that you just can't do that. Like, every every race hates another race for something, and there there's always racism. But overt racism... You just can't do that. And it, it, it just, it hurts. It, it, it honestly hurts some days. Uh, so, as much as I, I would hate to move on from the topic of being racist in D&D, I, I think we have to save that for another section. I think it needs to be a full, a full episode, a, unfortunately. Maybe two at this point. Maybe two. Uh, so we move on to Zeph, or the language of the Zephs. And it's a very, it's another psionic language, almost. But I believe it is actually less uh, spoken and more... Um, or not spoke, uh, less uh, mental and more spoken. What, what what are your guys' thoughts on on this? I'm not even familiar with it, to be honest. Well, oof, am I am I the only one who knows what Zeps are? Did we lose the language? Right? Even the race, just like I don't know them. Zep, that is. X as in Xavier, E as in Edward, P as in Phi, and H as in Howard. Well, I get what you're saying. I just I don't know what they are. It's very hard to describe them. They they are several different races in one, which honestly they are hysterical. 
and I, I believe they are a wonderful, wonderful race. Did did we happen to lose red? Yeah, we. Nope. Oh, is he back? Red. We've lost red again. I'm here. Oh, now, now he's there. Oh. Uh, how would you describe Zeph as the language, sir? Zeph? Yes. What is it the language of? Uh, it, it is the language of Zephs. Uh, it is sort of psionic in nature. As they are a psionic race. Honestly, it's probably very similar to deal with it then. Possibly. Probably mostly a telepathic language. I bet on that at least is like if you're telepathic, why speak when that's quick? I mean, the, the the speed of thought is less less uh, interesting than it is just wonderful at how quickly it goes. So. Since it, it doesn't seem like you guys actually know Zephs, um, I guess we will uh, move on from the Zeph. Which brings us to... Oh, hey. Uh, something I don't know. Hmm? Veg Pygmy. What? V-E-G-E-T-Y-G-M-I. Uh, G-M-Y. I've I'm, never I'm, heard I'm, of this race. Is... I've never heard of them. It might be a racial language. It might just be a... It is a racial language. It is specifically oh, okay. spoken by them. Um, oh, wait. No, it's not even spoken. It's uh, taps, beats, and clicks. Well, I guess that explains uh, <laughs> that language. Well, there we go. Yeah. Now we know. Uh, so then that brings us to to uh, our final, final race. Uh, uh, not race, language. Uh, the, the probably most interesting race that it gets to speak this because it's their racial language, Yuan Chi, or the Snake Folk. Ah, uh, very sneaky language. Yes, because there, well, there are two breeds of Yuan Chi. There is the purebred and the the half breeds. The most impure. Yeah. So, uh, it 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 would I would take it as a very Hissy language, very snake-like, almost as if this is how he speaks. Very yeah. tongue-based in, in yeah. what they it's say. Very... I, I would say it is still. I would say it is sibilant, but not to that degree necessarily. No, probably more so in the Molsons than here. Maybe. Because the Walsons have slightly more serpentine than Even so, I think <laughs> you would sound more like Parcel Tongue from Harry Potter, which isn't a bunch of variations of hisses in a short in in patterns that express the word. Yeah. Yeah. That, that could be how it is. I mean, it's it's very... I would also say it also depends on which Yanti they are. Purebred or non-purebred. Yeah. That too. It, it, you would have different amounts of uh, 
the, the snake with each one. And that that actually would round off our our languages, actually. Yes. Uh, which so... is honestly quite refreshing. We actually wow. Question. So... Go ahead, Red. No, I, I'm I'm just admiring the fact that we managed to do it in two parts. I mean, I, I, I figured it was going to be two. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we could even talk about how how you you can add in languages on your own and oh, how it's regional but... languages. I mean, there there are so many regional languages that can be added for for um for for any any tabletop RPG that there there's really no end. To, to language. And I mean, it, it's, it's taking it. Like, we haven't even talked about the written part of these languages and how a lot of them actually share a very common alphabet with yeah. certain things. Yeah. So, I mean, that in itself could be another thing, but uh, languages that seem similar from how they're described tend to share certain... Um, certain alphabets, primarily. Alphabets. I mean, Giantish actually shares a, a an alphabet with Dwarven, which not many people would actually think of. But I would even say Giantish should have its own alphabet because it is it is a very different language. Yeah, it could. And I mean, it, it, it wouldn't even be Giantish. I would say it would be a play off of Cyclops from Pathfinder because... Cyclops is technically an older version of a giant. So I mean, yeah, no, that is not accurate because the giants are Norse-based in D and D, but the Cyclopes oh, yeah, yeah. are Greek-based. Yeah, big difference. Not in D and D. Oh, hey, that's even better. Uh, I know in three point five they are connected, which kind of sucks. Which is what Pathfinder did better. Well, to my experience, oh, again, this is one of those things where I find that GM discretion, I highly recommend not making the two races related, or if they're related, make them distantly related, and no, the Cyclopes would not be the ancestor of giants. It'd be like two branches of the same family tree. Yeah, maybe. I mean, again, it's, it's all down to DM-GM discretion. With how it goes. Yeah. On the other hand, I know that uh, I've, I've had times where I just would like to have someone give some cogent advice on, on, on a point of view on how something should be interpreted. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and, and that's, that's what we, we kind of aim to do with uh, paladins and pauldrons. You know, we, we want to make sure that, you know, you guys understand that, that this isn't, you know how it's supposed to be we're, we're just simply expressing our thoughts as as players and dms of uh, i believe we have a combined total of 50, 45 50 years right now i have i have 25 of player experience by myself and i have 15. i've got about if i do the mental math 
seven-ish years. Yeah, so about 50 years. Uh, 50 yeah. years of experience, ranging Between from first first edition of D&D to, to advanced D&D to third edition. To to um, that one edition that doesn't exist that's in between edition, three and five. Edition three point five, the non-existent edition, fifth edition, which has been the salvation of TTRPGs everywhere. Exactly. Rising tide on this really is going to raise all boats because yeah. the more players we have, Funny. the more players are going to find out that what they want to play is something new. Yeah, even, or something even... old but it's done by a good GM. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean. We're not telling you guys how to play. We're just giving ideas that might help you increase your play. I play mean, at all. Yeah, and increase or enhance your play in any way, because that's what we're here for. This is the purpose of Paladins and Pauldrons, is to provide you with tools that you can use to enhance your gaming experience. I mean, even, even as a player in certain things, like with Lydia, I play in her game as you guys will hear on Fridays at uh, yeah. 7.30 uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m., uh, 6.30 Central. We, as a group, we have, I think, I think we've reached like 80, 90 years in that group. Uh, the, the 50 between Lydia, Red, and myself, and then some of our other players have just as much if not more experience sometimes because it's it's not well, something you just just as much i'm pretty sure we did a comparison and i was pretty close to the most years of experience amara you might be i mean it's not that we're trying to discourage new players from joining because no 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 quite, any quite the opposite. exactly as someone with 25 years of experience the most valuable thing in any tabletop role playing game is the newbie at the table. Because old players will have a set way to do things. They're, they're, new, players, new players can be taught everything. And they get to have that wondrous, miraculous experience of delving into the beauty of this game that we as like highly experienced players have been enjoying for years. And that moment of them going, oh my god, this is so amazing, is the greatest thing in the world. Even the, 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 the moment... Wait, you're saying I could throw this goblin at that dragon because he woke it up? Yes, yes, yes you can. I mean, you oh, can try. Right. Exactly. And and having a, a new player come up with a really ingenious oh. idea sometimes, uh, like having a player start oh. to create their own language to, to express between the party an easy way how to communicate and, and share yeah. thoughts that not any other... NPC or person can learn is is wonderful. Like we haven't even touched on on thieves can't and how in a language um, in itself it it is coded. another thing. Another thing that I wanted to bring up is how new GMs are also really important. Such as Lydia, who while having seven years of player experience is only just dipping her toes into being a GM and. I, with my 25 years of experience, have never done anything so awesome as talking intelligent and undead into drinking holy water. I haven't even done that. I've got 15 years, and I'm going, talking huh, Never that's in my 25 hysterical. years of experience have I ever done anything that, that, that was so flawlessly spot on for a character to do that was 
so ridiculous at the same time. I mean, ridiculous doesn't even cover it. I mean, it, it was ingenious. Let's and say. It was completely in character for the undead based on how they were built. It was completely in, in character for my character based on how they were built. Exactly. They were a diplomatic healer. They were a healer who was also meant to be a face and also provide nice things for the party on the back end. I mean... Like, being able to cook at camp and things like that. And they would just, like... One of them... One of the undead saw Dorvan pull out a bottle of water and not do anything with it. Dorvan's my character's name, by the way. Uh, the bottle was holy water. And the undead was like, made a drinking motion at Dorvan, and Dorvan made an offering motion, and the undead nodded, and I'm like, okay, and hands in the bottle, and the undead just drops the whole bottle. Yeah. That was the first one. <laughs> what happened? My character, put, my character immediately put one and two, one and one together, achieved two, and instantaneously went, "Hey, you speak, Necro. Tell these guys I've got a fresh glass of water for them." <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and coming up and, with and, these kinds of and, things and then, is always and beneficial. Th and that beautiful moment when the dice go, "Yep, they're that dumb." Just, just having, having a new outlook, e even with language, because some D, some DM, GM is gonna look at you and go, oh, "Well, you guys want to create a party-based language that only you guys know? You know what? Sure, I'll let you guys do it. So we're gonna speak the ling, the party language, and no one, no one knows how to do it." Oh, by the way, the party language is actually two languages because it's the party language and the party sign language. Just in case we want to be real quiet. Exactly. And it, the thief it, was very pleased to learn we designed a sign language. Yeah. We a, have set to break his cover. And, and having that that view that that new outlook, especially when it comes to to speaking languages, that that like some some. Some uh, GMs will even say, fuck it, if you can actually speak Spanish and someone else in the party can actually speak it back to you, sure, I'll allow you guys to speak Spanish at the table. Um, I, I, as a GM, if players, if two players speak the same language, I will allow them to use the whisper function on roll 20 to tell each other secrets. Yeah, it's, it's almost as if Alex and Dorvan did that and know each other. Yeah. Or, or... And it's it's a good and actually this is one of the advantages of electronic gaming system, game uh, uh, game tabletops the ability to send secret messages really easily without giving away you're giving a secret message by having to pass a piece of paper across the table oh yeah or, or having having the two players get up from the table to go talk yeah actually if, even if you're at a regular tabletop, I would argue that you should have Discord at the table. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I hate to say it, I mean, because bringing phones to a game can be very distracting, but at the same time, it's very helpful. If, Hell, I remember if, when we didn't have Using the phones only as aids to the game, they're great. If somebody's playing another game during the game, that's yeah. a problem. Yeah, I know that and feeling I've all too well. I've had both situations. I've had both situations. 
where there was a player who would play games on their freaking... It wasn't even a phone. I think it was a Game Boy, because this was a long time ago, but the same principle. <laughs> they brought their electronics to the table, were too busy with their electronics, didn't pay attention to their character, and commonly did dumb things because they didn't realize what was going on, because they didn't listen to what I would say. Or listen to the party. When the party says, hey, don't do that, and you just go, eh, fuck it, uh, what are we doing again? Oh, I'm just gonna go do this. When the party says, hey, don't cast Lightning Bolt on the Shambling Mound. I you cast Lightning listen. Bolt on the Shambling Mound. <laughs> uh, I make a little reflex save to hit him with my to, to hit him with my mace before he can cast the spell. Uh, considering what he's doing, I'd say you could count that as an attack of opportunity on a on a foe casting a spell within your space. Okay, stab him. Exactly. Exactly. And I literally, when a player says they're going to do something to kill, kill the whole party, uh, does anybody want to make an attack of opportunity? Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there are certain points that even as a player, you just have to go, you are not an ally anymore, you are now considered an enemy. I, and... I, 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 I'll say this, my 25 years of experience, I've had a moment where I looked at my GM seriously when the, the player says, I'm going to cast da-da-da-da, I'm like, I'm standing next to the wizard, if he goes to cast that spell, I'm going to stab him. I would like to consider it an attack of opportunity against a foe casting a spell. Because if he's go because if he's really going to go do that and threaten the whole party's safety, I'm a dead him. I've I've had that happen. It wasn't even a spell. Uh the player actually was about to take an action and I, I we all looked at him and went, Don't fucking do that. And that was a, maybe two turns beforehand. And he goes, Alright, fine. Two turns later. Alright, fuck it. I'm casting this. And I looked and I went, you cast that. I am killing your character. You wouldn't fucking do that. I looked at the DM and I went, I'd no longer consider him an ally at this point. Okay. And that all comes down to the whole discourse of PvP between players. That, that's a whole other thing. And I generally don't allow it. Fish. Unless a player is doing something that literally they're putting the whole party in danger and the party knows it. At which point, okay, you've decided that you're going to do something to threaten the lives of the entire party. You're not an ally anymore. Congratulations. Welcome to NPC status. Exactly. Your plot armor has been revoked. And I mean, I, I guess we can we can actually segue hey. into, into uh, the wonderful, wonderful moment of... Uh, the, the night, where we get to have some wonderful, wonderful times. Of, uh, where is it? Uh, so, some wonderful character building tips. To, to round off our wonderful, uh, episode one, part two, of language in D&D. I guess the question is, what class do you want to under the star? On, on the, on, no, no, on, on the basis of Character building tips related to language. I would specifically mm -hmm. like to address avoiding bad stereotypes for your freaking yes, uh, yes, language. And God, please, and your please. yes, please. For for the love of the nine, for the love for of the, the nine hells and all the gods, do not, do for not. I will personally go after heavens and the infinite abyss. Would you please just stop? Like, 
They're, they're, mm-hmm. Don't be that, that stereotypical person who, when they play a samurai, has to put on bad Japanese accent. It's, it's not awful. funny. You're it's not cool. If not, I played in a campaign with you, terrible. I would kill you. It, it hurts my ears. It's like it, it really sure. hurts my ears. In my Monday game, I, I'm attempting a Scottish accent. It's really bad, but I'm trying to get better. I mean, okay, there's there's no such thing as a bad Scottish accent. I I I will definitely tell you that. Why? Because it's you can make, play it off like uh, you're really drunk. It, I mean, there's no such uh, thing as a bad Scottish accent. I I'm sorry. She Wait, has four pumps of whiskey on her at all times. Yeah, you're no, drunk. Well, no, that explains why she. That explains why it's a bad Scottish accent. It's because she doesn't even barely know how to speak Scottish herself. Exactly. Which uh, I think having having it uh, on on the the character creation segment for this. Mm-hmm. Don't play the stereotypical thing. The, we're giving you guys ideas with with this to give you a better build on on becoming a better player. DM and character. I I, I know I, I speak for pretty much all of us when I say we've all done the stereotypical accent when playing a certain style of character. And I would I would like oh. to plead the Fifth Amendment. You're you're just proving your guiltiness. <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> Just, if you think it's stereotypical guys and gals and non-binary pals, don't. Please. Do not. Please avoid, please do avoid doing it. Like, again, the, the, the stereotypical Japanese accent for a samurai or someone who, or a shaman, things like that. It's not funny. It's not cute. It's not adorable. Don't do it. No. Or, or... And, and most, I, I, I will go so far as to say most of those stereotypical accents that you think of are racist. They, they are very racist. In fact, I, I mean, if you yourself are someone of that descent, I wouldn't do it, and that's me, but that's on you. If you don't think it's racist and you do it, that's fine. But when you have other people who might be of that or know someone like that or you have friends like that, and your friends are cool with it, that's fine for your group. These are just general general ideas. Just try not to be that person who does these things. Because... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and generally, if I have someone playing a culture, I try to play that culture as accurately as possible. And, and like, I've, I've had characters who, who, like, come from rare... come from different American... Come, or come from different, like 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 ethnicities of the real world, in a fantasy world. Like I've had a, a mariachi uh, tengu. A, I I've had a mariachi tengu. You I have, have had one. A Polynesian li- lizard man as well. Oh yeah. I mean, and generally, I'll just avoid accents entirely in those kinds of settings. Yeah, I mean. And I will try to pull as much of the actual culture as I can find information on to give an accurate experience of living like that culture might have lived. Pull the culture, not the accent. Please. Yeah. Learn about the culture if you're going to portray it. 
-hmm. Try to do it actual justice. Don't don't be a bad character. Be respectful of it, and know what is respectful of that culture and what isn't. Like the big thing with me is don't be a bad caricature of a culture you're gonna. Exactly. Yeah, no. Uh, I know. I know a lot of GMs who don't have a lot of patience for players who do bad caricatures of of ethnic groups. There's a reason I try not to do any ethnic groups. I tend to do mostly cultures that are predominantly of the Caucasian group because it's it's not as bad when I do it because hey, I'm white. Yeah, I mean, if you know the group and you can portray them. Portray them as best you can. Don't do the stereotypical thing. I, I'm not going to do something really stupid, and I'm going to try and do it accurately. Like, I know one game... Well, we had a player who didn't understand the significance of a luchador's mask. Oh. And was playing a luchador character. He pulled it off, didn't he? The mask, not about, the character. You talk, talked about that concept, yes. I mean, partially as a psionic blocker. It didn't go over well with the party. Or the DM is, uh, she was married to one at one point. Oh. Huh. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I, I don't blame her for that one. Next on things that don't end well theater. Yeah. Uh, and again, it, it, these are all just general tips. If you and your group are cool with that, and I mean, I, I hate to say this because I don't like discouraging people from playing, but if you're going to be that racist asshole, please do not play. Skip my just play, yeah. play somewhere else. Don't play with people in a general public because you are the person who gets everyone in trouble. You're the person yep. who's going to fuck everyone over. If you're the racist one, that's a problem for everybody because that detracts from our entire... everyone's enjoyment of this. Not just racism. Also, any other kind of ism or bigotry of any kind. Mm-hmm. Especially sexism. Oh, oh, God, if yeah, you, if no, you're racist, that's... sexist, or any, any kind of ist... Yeah, you gotta go. We 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 don't have time for that at the table because this is our enrichment. This is us trying to make our lives better by having fun and bringing joy to us and our friends. Exactly. We don't don't we don't need no bigot bigoted bullshit making our table less fun. Yes, we understand that racism exists, especially in fantasy campaigns. But there there is a point where there's racist. And then there's, well, there's there's a difference between having subtle racism, which just happens naturally. I mean, elves and dwarves hate each other, yes, but they're not going to overtly go out and kill each other. No. Everyone Honestly, hates orcs, that's a thing. Most of that stuff can really be pulled out of the game, and it'll make that's the game better. True. Exactly. Yeah, no. The only reason I, 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 I want to... Like, strongest opponents of that kind of stuff because it really is just coded whitewashing yeah. yeah racism is okay because there are actually underlying reasons kind of argument racist stuff that really sends the wrong message yeah 
And like, if I, I were to, I, do, I ain't got time for that shit. And like, if I were to do the whole elf dwarf anger thing, it wouldn't be over racial stuff. It'd be over, hey, uh, these elves basically cheated the dwarves out of something, or this particular clan of elves did something to piss off this clan of dwarves. Exactly. It it, it should never just be, well, all dwarves hate elves this because of this, and all elves hate dwarves because of this. It's... No, it'd be more like, well, the Northern Mountain Dwarves really don't like the, the the Ice Forest Elves because the Ice Forest Elves have been real buttheads about letting them harvest even a small amount of timber from the land. Yes. And and sometimes it's, it's even about... Uh, it's about the difference in language because... Certain races don't always speak the same languages, so certain things might be misunderstood or misconstrued. Yes. So, but, look, look, if you're going to be that asshole, just please leave. Yep. Leave the table. community. Don't bother playing D&D because it's not for you. This is for openness and inclusion, please. Thank you. We're trying to avoid assholes in, in games because there's there's enough in the room. We don't need another at the table. Now that we have uh. that hard topic over, remember, guys, uh, as a character... Just taking certain languages isn't always a bad thing. No, it is it can actually be very beneficial to the party. Yes, I, I've had characters also, who spoke every language in the book. The, the languages that you speak can speak who you are as a character as well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So yes, the fighter who has who a, a who 10 intelligence might not know every language and might not want to learn every language because their job is just to swing a sword, or the, the charismatic bard who lives to please everyone might know a good chunk of languages, doesn't my, mean my you can't learn each other. My advice to GMs, languages are one of the cheapest freebies that you can give a player to make an interesting backstory piece that has some evidence to it on the character's sheet. Exactly. Oh, Even as a player... Take you're a, couple you're times. a level 10 human fighter and only get common? Oh, but your backstory is that you're raised on the elemental plane of fire? Well, okay, you speak common and ignorant. Yeah, like, take time. D DMs, GMs, work with your players to make a, a, a wonderful character that's maybe got a little difference in language. You know, sometimes that one language and, and, and makes a big also, difference. Also, other things to go with it is maybe maybe they learned a special skill that's become a class skill and maybe they get a free point in it because they learned some special skill because of their background. That's another great one that's not too expensive that can do a lot to make something interesting for a character. Exactly. Especially if it's something like a profession, perform, or craft skill. Especially if it's not a like standard craft. Like, my character Doravan for character reasons, has an extra point in craft glass blowing. 
Because in his backstory, he did something really kind of cool with Glass. Yeah, and I mean... Those sugar glass vials are really freaking cool, though. Like, that really is something that Doravan created in his past, and that's 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 part of why that is that. I mean, mm-hmm. Red, you, you don't know this part, but, I mean, Alex does have a few special little things. Like, Alex understands a, a lot of how necromancy works, and it, it wasn't just from their class it was from their backstory they they went to special academies they have this little extent of knowledge i i have little extra perks for certain things that it just helps and as as a character it's fitting it's fitting exactly very fitting gms players work together come up with this this wonderful idea that you can take and go here's a character it's not just I'm a ten intelligence fighter. I only know common, but I was raised by orcs, so I know how to use orc double action. If you were raised by fucking well, orcs, why do you not know orcish? Yeah, you would pick that and up, I mean, even training. Hold on. Also, if we go by Pathfinder rules, humans are supposed supposed to be linguistic. They should get mm-hmm. common plus one other language, plus whatever intelligence language it. They should. At bare minimum. Or and, otherwise, that's a nerf versus every other character cl- race in the game. Yes, that is the case. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, they also have the, the extra skill point, the extra feet. A they lot pay of for those, they, they, they are still the lowest RP race in the entire game of Pathfinder. Short, yeah. of, short of Kobolds, which are five. But that's literally like one of the only ones that has fewer race points than a human. So, please, work work for languages, guys. Don't just pass them up because that's oh, a language. I'm never. They're highly it. useful when people when you, you when you are the character when people can ask what languages you know and you could simply answer yes. You know you've done a good job with languages. Exactly. I I played a bard I've had some whose job was really to just great... speak. It, as a party, yeah, I, I took, I think I put like 13, 14 points in total into speak language so I could have every fucking language in the book. And my DM looked at me and went, why? I'm like, well, you see, if we meet this kind of character, I can talk to them in their native language. Oh, you know, for a dwarf, if I meet a dwarf and he's working the forge like most dwarves do... I don't have to greet him in common. I can greet him in the traditional dwarvish manner of saying, Greetings, Forge Master. Please, Dwarven Smith, grant me your blessing of Moradin and help me with this item. Or an Elven Bladesmith. Oh, God, those guys are... Oh, I hate them as they a character. Be. They are the most prissy and uppity fucks ever. But they've earned it because they they've have. got more years. They've got more decades of experience than doing their craft than you have months of experience doing yours. Yes, but it's just when you have a DM who knows how that goes, and it just gets annoying. I mean, you just have to show the right respect. Just don't be that overtly. <laughs> 
linguistic asshole guys, but don't be that that's a language you don't need to fucking worry about it. Yeah. Try and find that healthy medium. You know, not everyone well, might speak Terran, but when you summon an earth elemental, telling them, "Hey, in Terran, can you go do this?" might come yeah. in handy. It like, might even it stop a fight. Like speaking Terran is great because it's like you summon earth elemental. Hey, Steve, can you help me out here? Okay. Oh, hey, cool thing. Or e even even and Lydia can attest to this one because she was there, having a a wind uh, having Orin and speaking to a wind elemental. Yes. And telling them a fucking hysterical joke to stop combat. Yes. Like, I have done that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Silly fire elemental. No go swim. Things like that. You can stop combat. Just by simply speaking to them, like they are uh, an intelligent like, person. Like, like the fact that Corin knew Necrol and Dorvan stopped combat by convincing the undead to drink holy water. Exactly. Yes. Sure, you sure you you technically tricked them, but you did it nicely. You did it very nicely. Exactly. It's all uh, about. I mean, in fact, I told them it was the cleanest, purest water I had. That's not a false statement. <laughs> no, exactly. They felt, I feel like they feel no ill will. They, they probably feel great. Because in the end, they felt fresh and clean in their colons. <laughs> I mean, and after all the shit they've been through, that's uh, that's quite a feeling. That's quite the nifty feeling when you've been through as much shit as the skid marks. Yes. <laughs> so don't, guys, don't be that that. I, every language is stupid, guy, and don't be that. Well, it's a language. Why would you speak it? Find that healthy balance in the middle. Yes. You use it and build. Beautiful tools. Yeah, don't just make a piece of paper. Make a 3D character, and it starts with what you speak. It really does. Because coming up from from a dwarven or being near a dwarven fortress and speaking dwarvish is awesome. Why? Because you would have yeah. a, a stand-in with the dwarves. You might have more connections. Maybe you apprenticed with one of them. Who knows? Exactly. Or, or actually, this, this this brings me to the to another concept that I would really like to encourage more GMs to have: the "I know a guy" principle. Yes, yes, I've pulled that before. Several Especially times. Especially because, like, because I just wanted to get the guy to shut up. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> but but tying it all back to languages, guys. Don't just write off languages or, or not use languages. Not every D&D campaign needs to be hack and slash. Having hmm. a secondary option sometimes. Even Not even every session of a hack and slash campaign needs to be all hack and slash. Exactly. Yeah. Like, find that healthy mix. Don't just do hack and slash and talk. There's hack and slash. There's puzzle. There's RP. Hell, there's, um, what what's the other one we did? Um, crafting. Downtime, downtime crafting. Crafting mm -hmm. into downtime. There's, there's several different things. 
Treat the game like you would your life. You don't just do one thing. You have multiple things you do. Just like you're not just a piece of paper. You're several collective thoughts on one page. And you got to take this collection of thoughts on this page and actually, you know, fold it up into a balloon and inflate it so that it turns into a real three-dimensional character. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And with that, I, I would like to, to close out episode one in full. Yes. And, That's uh, a good place to do so. Yeah, and we'll, we will see you guys next time with, uh, hmm, I don't know episode yet. Episode two. Yeah, episode two. What topic it'll be, we don't know. We like to we'll play it on the fly. Uh, we, 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 we'd already hit on this. It's inclusivity. Ah, yes, inclusivity. Well, it was inclusivity or, or uh, a couple other things, but I think inclusivity would be next. It, it ties in It'd great. be a good note to touch on, too. So with that, guys, we will see you next time for the inclusivity episode of Paladins and Pauldrons. I've been Redwood. I'm Lydia Tempesta, and we're signing off. I'm Dracus, and I'll see you guys next time. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, 13 Chains, for this episode of Paladins and Pauldrons. 13 Chains is a wonderful... D&D game shown on twitch.tv slash Lydia Tempesta and shows the story of a group of adventurers going off on their own to go find and stop an evil cultist. You can catch it Fridays at 7.30 p.m. EST, 6.30 CST, 5.30 MST, and 4.30 Pacific. Pacific time. Watch as you meet Dorvan. Alex, uh, Koran, Ramel, and Shezzy on their adventures through a wonderful city and oh, the let's entire not, let's world. Not to get Jawa, our oh, yes, Jawa, our, our lovely uh, dear centaur. I forget the actual name for the race. Servitar. Thank you. Servitar. Uh, you know, it's, it's a wonderful time. You actually get to see us. Uh, kind of dip into what we're talking about on these episodes, and you you can see the difference between us talking about these things and actually getting to be a player. Like uh, the last episode of Thirteen Chains, we actually had a very heartfelt moment between Jala and and Dorvan, and and how it was a mesh of, "Hey, look, are you okay? Not really. Here's why." and 50 other things, along with the fact that you guys can see uh, how how experience and, and, and new players can get together and come up with these crazy ideas. Uh, in fact, uh, not, not to spoil last session, because uh, you got, honestly, like, I suggest you guys watch this this series. It, it is a wonderful yeah, series. Really, we, we really, I don't want to tell you too many details like mm -hmm. I, I already kind of almost, I kind of spoiled the big finale. Yeah, of the last. Mm, we're nowhere near the true finale. No, but you know, an episode well, finale well, the is finale always... of that episode. Like, because that episode came to a pretty neat end that was kind of really badass. Yeah, really badass doesn't describe it. 
it, it was monumental. And I mean, you, you heard earlier when Lydia was talking about how she thought she almost was going to kill us. I mean, the the gripping strife with how you're seeing, like, I, I myself am a, technically new to Pathfinder. I've played one or two games here and there. My main experience is in uh, 3.5 and, and other editions of D&D. So seeing this and pulling it out and watching all this happen and, and learning these new skills, you know, versus other characters, like Red has played Pathfinder for years, and he's sitting there with these amazing characters, and we're just going through back and forth, and the entire party is, is this weird culmination of, of new and old just working together and going, well, that could be the answer, but, you know, this person brought up a really good point, too. And that also could be an answer. That might be a better answer than that. Like, uh, in in one of the episodes, we, we had made claim to an NPC about what they really were and how they were connected to another. And in, the, in like, an episode after, if not two episodes, I, I literally shouted. And I went, I fucking told you he was connected to this by this. And the entire party loses it because it, it, it's all about all fun. We're we're here as a group and and as a podcast to give you guys excitement. Like, I think I think Red, you were chuckling about when uh, when when Alex fucking bursted out saying, "I fucking told you guys it was this." Like, mm, yes. Oh man. The things that you see, like, it, it is a wonderful experience. E even just watching, like, we, we tend to answer, if not, I, I know I answer a lot of people in chat when they talk, because it, it's just interesting to watch and teach people while we're playing, while certain terms come up. Because some of us don't always understand a certain term, uh, I know, I know, I, I've had a couple terms come up that I've went, wait, hold on, what does that mean? And I know I've said a couple things and done a couple things that even, even Lydia has went, wait, how do you, well, here's how you do it, you know. D&D &D <laughs> can be based upon logic, yes, but there are elements of fantasy there, too. You have to jump away from logic to get into the real meat of fantasy. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, it's a leap of faith, people. Just go. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful leap of faith, and I really think you guys would enjoy it watching. In fact, I I, I am proud to say, as uh, one of the members of the podcast, the stream, and as someone from the outside who's actually rewatched some of the episodes to to refresh my memory. On, on certain events and retake notes as they've come up. You you guys should watch it. It, it is a, a, a ingenious story written by Lydia, and I, I cannot praise her enough for the writing she has done with the story thus far. And keeping us all Honestly, out of the way. I, have, I haven't had this much enjoyment in a single campaign in almost a decade. 
Yeah, it's it's really I, fun. It's really one of the best games I've ever played, and I think even just watching it, a lot of you would get a really great enjoyment out of it. Like what? So, thirteen chains, thirteen seals. It, it's. I, I will and link I'll, the link in the description. For those of you who are fans of the SCP series, there are some uh, uh, referencing thoughts, references to SCP in the in in the in the campaign. So those of you who are fans of SCP, watch for those references and and, and, and point them out. Be... We we love when people point it out. Like, uh, yeah, I, I had a couple people point out. Uh, on stream when we were were streaming it man you you know a lot about medical science you know did you go through and i i am a trained medical professional i've learned a lot of my my craft and training and went yeah you know and explained to lydia you know exactly how you can do that or how certain things work and granted sometimes i go off on a tangent because it's such an interesting topic and other times it's like well no here's the short answer like uh oh man i really don't want to give that part away of last last episode Let, let's just say there was a and for those of you who are squeamish you know i do apologize uh but it, there there was a a small conversation of blood and and the coagulation and freezing of it i i could sit there and explain for 30 minutes how it works but you shorten it for quicker sessions so I mean, please listen, listen, but, watch. But these accurate details help fill out the story. It makes you feel like you're actually there. Yeah, I, I can mean, see the rug. I can yeah. see the stains of blood underneath it as it gets knocked aside. I can see in my yeah. mind the little alcove on the side where they opened it and found the unholy symbol. Ugh. Yeah, I mean. Really, guys, I, I cannot express how much you guys should watch 13 Chains. Because it is... It, it's so wonderful. The story... It, it's it's not only story-driven, but there there is role-play that, that drives the story even further. There are so many subplots for different characters going on that at, at some point, I'm sure there's going to be a love story between two characters coming up. Whether or not it's going to be a gay love story or a straight love story, I don't know. And I I am playing on it. But you, you guys can see the rise and fall of our characters as they grow. With like, uh, Corin and Alex have their own little sub-story going on of how they're becoming a team that never really worked together much before. Then there's Dorvan and Alex who who have their own little sub-story going on of why certain things are said and how certain things are said. And I'm covering for you, but you're helping me, so I'm not really covering for you. You're just doing what we're doing. And, and then there's Shezzy and Dorvan who are siblings, and they're doing all these alchemical stories and plot lines. And they've got all this going on. Who is also a sibling to Doravan and Chezzy. Exactly. There's so many ties that it's hard to explain. And the group is neatly tied together, so we all 
feel it if any of us has something happen. Exactly. We all know each other. We're all like we were all kids together. Well, most of you were kids together. Ironically, Dwarvan being a gnome and being older than most of the rest of you by a significant margin was actually your healer for most of your lives. Yeah, and I mean, there are, there's there's parts of backstories that, that I haven't even that's, been that's said. That's detail that builds the, the story. It builds a character, it builds people. a story. I mean, like, we, we I could go on all night, and I'm sure all of us could. Because it's such a well-put-together story. And it oh, all yeah. started on us coming together with languages. And going, okay, well, how do you... What do you speak? Oh, you speak this, this, and this? Okay, cool. You know what? I'll take these languages. And even then, we even taught each other languages to build up and learn. Like, as, as a character, I just put a point into uh, the language skills in Pathfinder... So I could learn a new language that I would slowly have been picking up, being around uh, Ramel and all all these characters, and just slowly learning. So so that way, when it happens, it can be a surprise of, oh shit, hey, wow, that's that's interesting. I didn't know you spoke it. Yeah, I was learning it so I could, you know, talk to you. Now, the amusing part of this is is that Dwarven doesn't even speak like three of the languages he knows aloud. Exactly. Alex doesn't speak a lot of languages they know aloud. <laughs> aloud. I mean... Like, but if, 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 if the situation ever came up that someone was speaking in one of those languages, oh my god, would Dwarven have an advantage? Oh, yeah. Oh, you! Oh, you thought you could tell secrets? <laughs> yeah, it's it's it almost as so if Alex took comprehend you. languages for a reason. <sighs> How do you know that? I, I took comprehend languages. Why? Why the fuck not? Now that is a truly useful spell. That and tongues, which again, we'll we'll come we'll come back with uh, interesting spell combinations for you guys. And and how to really like I mean taking speak language or taking uh, comprehend languages and tongues is probably one of the most useful sets of spells because it allows you to read and speak any language except for druidic and uh, drow sign language. Languages really? Yeah. I mean, there there most of the languages in the book that don't revolve around like hand gestures and things like that or, or that secrecy. can't be learned. Yeah, secrecy. You wouldn't be able to learn. But they come in handy, especially with spells, because hey, we don't know what that guy's saying. Alright, let, let's find out the spell and use it and hey, now we know what he's saying. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I think that is where we can, we can leave it off for tonight. Yes. I would All like right. to thank each of you guys for listening and coming out to play. I would once again like to thank my co-hosts Lydia and Red for coming and, you know, talking about bringing languages in and, uh, you know, helping out with these topics so it's not just one guy talking to you guys and you guys just listening. Um, 
And I, I would like to turn it over to you, Red, for any final thoughts for the first uh, for the first episode. Uh, my final thoughts on this is this is a game. This is fantasy. Remember this, and remember that it's always more fun when we include everyone. Yes. Lydia, any final thoughts? Red hit on a very important thing there. Um, as to the rest... Honestly, it's just, yeah, uh, I think we've got everything pretty well covered. So, yeah, uh, thank you guys, you know, be wise in your choices and, you know, always have fun be with your roles. More than anything. Exactly. And uh, I'd like to wish all of you a wonderful lucky streak. And may you always roll a 20. This has been Dracus, Lydia, and Redwood, signing off.